0: We've been talking about exactly what it means to worship the Lord. What exactly does it mean to worship? Worship is not something that we necessarily do here on Sunday mornings from the hours of 10 to 1130 or whatever that might be. But worship is, I'm hoping you're starting to get this by now, worship is a lifestyle that we live throughout the week. It's everything and anything that we do that pleases the heart of God. We began looking at Mary several years ago. Mary did not allow herself to be bogged down with the things of life. Her sister Martha busied herself, and you know the story. Mary did not allow herself to be bogged down with those things, but Jesus said she chose the better thing. And the better thing was Mary adoring Mary. Obeying and worshiping her Lord, Mary showed an unquenchable thirst to sit at the feet of Jesus. We then saw Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. And Jesus was declaring to her and to everyone who would listen that it's no longer a matter of where you worship, but who and how you worship. Last week we talked about how our worship should be like a burning flame, right? A burning fire that should never go out. That should exist at all times. So my question to you that I'll put up on the screen, do you think it's possible to live a live in a place where one's worship never dies but always exists, always burns? Do you think it's possible to live in a place where one's worship never dies but always exists, always burns? Think about that for a second. Some of you may say, wow, Pastor Brock, that seems like a rather tall order, doesn't it? I mean, a person can't be up all the time, right? I mean, a person can't always be on cloud nine. They can't always have mountaintop experiences. I mean, a person has to come down at some point in time and act normal or be normal, right? And if that's what some of you would say, I would have to say that that's not what I asked. What I asked you was, do you think it's possible... To live in a place where one's worship never dies, but always exists, always burns. For you see, our worship should not be dependent on whether we are happy or sad. If we're in a good mood or a bad mood, some of you may have come to church this morning in a bad mood. I'm not going to ask for hands. When it happens, worship should have nothing to do with whether things are going well in your life or not. Do you realize that? You see, the more that I study Scripture, the more I believe that regardless of where we are in life, regardless of where we are in life, regardless of our state of being in life, it is entirely possible to live in a constant state of worship. Why? Watch this statement right here. Because worship does not deny the existence of life's realities. It persists in spite of it. I like that. Let that sink in. Your worship does not deny the existence of your reality, but it should persist in spite of it. Last week we talked about two things that can dampen our fire, our flame of worship. We said that the fire of worship can stay lit as long as we do not become complacent. We talked about that. We also said that it can exist if we do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And again, maybe there's some of you out there that are saying that may be all well and good, Pastor Brock, but what about? This is where Sean's song was very providential. Pastor, what about those times that we go through that are hard? Those trials that seemingly never end? The crisis in our life? The deaths that occur in our life? Or just the daily stresses and pressures of life? What about then, Pastor Brock? What about those situations? And maybe there's some of you this morning that are going there. And so I'll say, okay, let's go there. Let's go there this morning. Number three, our fire of worship can continue even as we experience trials and pressures of life. Now, I'd be the first to admit that it is easy to lose our worship during these times. You know what I'm talking about. Take whatever it is you like. Hardships, trials, pressures of daily life, stress, tragedies. We heard about them during our prayer time. And it's very easy to lose our sense of God's presence and even feel as if God is no longer there. So we stop looking to God as we should. We do this, don't we? Say amen or ouch. We do this. We're tempted to take our eyes off the Lord. And how does that affect our fire and our flame of worship? It can dampen it, can't it? Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Simple message, a basic message, but folks, it all comes down to that word right there, doesn't it? Trust. Trust. You see, when life is going well, we don't need to trust God like we normally do. When I went and saw Dean Burrow in the hospital the other day, he told me, he said, you know, it's good for believers to go through some storms like this at times in their life, because it forces us to lean upon God. But so often when we run into walls of trials and difficulties, we are tempted not to trust. We want to be the ones who control things, and oftentimes this leads to times of uncertainty. And when this happens, We often find ourselves just trying to survive, let alone worship. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you this morning that the next time that you find yourself in a trial, or better yet, I'm here this morning to tell someone who is going through something today, at this moment, at 10 53, you still have the ability to trust at this very moment. Whatever might be going on inside, you have the ability to trust. And listen, and when you let go and when you begin trusting God for all of your unanswered questions that are plaguing your todays and your tomorrows, When you start trusting, you'll begin praising Him. And when you begin praising Him, you'll begin to worship Him. I didn't say it was easy, but it's true. That's why Sean's song was so timely I will praise you in this storm. How many times do we find ourselves in the midst of a storm and we're praising Him? Probably not too many times, right? But I'm telling you, that's what we need to do. Many times the first things to cease when we go through rough times will be those all-essential spiritual disciplines. Bible study, prayer, church attendance, or church involvement, many will say, look, as soon as I get through all of this, I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to get back involved with church again. I just need some time away. I just need some time to get through this. I'm going to pick up my Bible again. I'm going to start praying again, not realizing that it's those very things is what should be taking you through the trial. Those very things that we set aside, that we stop doing, are the very things that will get you through that time in life. Now, let me tell you something that you're not going to hear too often. You're not going to start any mega churches or or big TV shows or radio shows with what I'm about to tell you. But there are two parts to our salvation I preached one particular time that there's two sides of our salvation. One is God's side. His side is ever faithful. He's ever true. But then there's our side to where we have to continue to be faithful and true. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about here. There there are two sides, though, two parts to our salvation. There's the joy unspeakable and full of glory side. There's the peace, peace, wonderful peace side. There's the glorious freedom, wonderful freedom Side. But I would be less than truthful with you if I didn't tell you about another side that does not get talked about too often. And that's the suffering side. Kind of a downer, isn't it? (laughs) Came to church and pastor talked about suffering. I'm not just talking about. The persecution of the church, the uh, prayer request that the brother gave this morning, that definitely is a part of this. Uh, But I'm not referring just to that. To be honest with you, we don't really know what persecution is in this country, do we? We don't really have a clue. Uh, That may be coming someday. We don't know. But church... The fact of the matter is that sometimes we will go through times of hardship, times of heartache, difficulty, times that will produce pain and suffering. For Jesus himself said, in this life, you will have trouble. He didn't say if you live good enough, if you give enough to the church, it may happen. No, he said you will have trouble we will experience suffering at times in our life. Times when it seems God is purposely allowing us to experience difficulty. And it's during these times that you and I have a choice. Amen? We have a choice. Whether or not to keep following Christ or not. Listen. There is a suffering side to following Jesus. But if we will but choose wisely, out of this side we can experience a depth of His mercy, a depth of His love, a depth of His grace that we've never known before. How many times have you heard someone that's gone through a difficulty and they'll say something like, man, I'll never want to go through that again, but I want not trade it for the world. Why is that? It's because they've allowed Jesus to lead them through that time. We know the character in the Bible named Job, a wealthy, righteous man of God. But one day Job got out of bed, and by the end of the day, I'm sure he wished he would never gotten out of bed. (laughs) Let me just remind you what one of his days looked like. I don't know what time it was, but a messenger frantically comes running into the house and he tells Job that some raiders had come and they had killed some of his servants. That's bad enough. But before that messenger was finished, another messenger came in and told Job that a fire broke out on the farm and killed a lot of his livestock. And then before that messenger was finished, another messenger came and said some raiders from a different area came and they stole some of your livestock and they killed some more of your servants. And then before that messenger was through, another messenger came in and said that a tornado had hit your eldest son's house. That's not the worst of it. All of your kids were in that house and they all perished in that wind. Think you've had a bad day? Not long after this, you know, the story, God allowed Satan to afflict him with boils all over his body. I can't imagine. And then during this time, some of his best friends turned on him. Even his wife turned on him. And all of this sent Job into a tailspin. God allowed him to enter a time of life that must have been the loneliest, most difficult Gut-wrenching, soul-searching. If you read through Job, he was searching. He was searching for answers. He was trying to make sense out of all this, trying to ask God, what have I done? Probably one of the worst times of his life, the worst time of his life. Is it possible that the fire of worship never goes out in our life no matter what happens? Is it possible? Put yourself in Job's shoes. I'll tell you, it was possible and Job did it. You probably know the passage that I'm going to refer to. After all of this happened, those, after all those messengers came, this is what Job said. Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Folks, that's worship. That's worship. That's how we maintain a spirit and a heart of worship. Later on, Job said this, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Through it all, Job still trusted and still believed. Job still worshipped his God. You see, this is what I meant whenever I said, regardless of where we're at in life, regardless of what we are experiencing, it is possible to remain in a state where the flame, the fire of worship never dies and is never quenched. For there is such a thing. But it's easy to preach this. Hard to live it but I want to be this kind of a man right here. There is such a thing as a worshiper who always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, always, always means always. All means all, and that's all that all means. Even when life is at its low. Most of the time, it comes down to a simple choice. In these hard, sometimes horrible times of life, we just heard a testimony about a family who lost a 15-year-old daughter. God help us. In these hard, sometimes horrible times of life, will we turn away from God or will we turn toward God And worship Him as the one song that we sing. Worship Him even if it hurts. I won't go into the whole long story. Many of you know the story, and some of you may not, about my cousin Jason. Passed away when he was 40 years of age. That's the blue bracelet on my wrist. I haven't taken it off in a couple of years now. Never Taking it off. Jason passed away from cancer. And two things that this bracelet represents is live life to the fullest and don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait on what? Whatever it is God is putting before you. Don't wait. I've never been a, part of a, I've been a part of a lot of funeral services, a lot of funeral services to where it's been a glorious atmosphere, a wonderful atmosphere. But that day, down at Lake Wills, Florida, at the, at the college there, Warner Southern, the sanctuary was packed. And they were worshiping Jesus. They were praising Him. How can you do that? Because God is God. Because Jason was in the presence of his Lord and Savior. That's how we can praise him in times like that. And not only that, I mean it was it was like it was like Easter Sunday morning. The place was alive. It was electric. Yes, there was a heavy heart, and we were weeping and we were mourning and we were but we were praising God. And do you believe, and I've said this before, but those of you who don't heard it, at the end of the service, there were people coming to the altar getting saved. Why? Because they were praising God. Mm. A true worshiper will echo and live out the words in this passage. 2 Corinthians 4, 8-10 For we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body Well, we could dig into that for a little bit, couldn't we? That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. You see, on those hard times, those difficult times, when you still choose to believe, when you still choose to trust blindly, the life of Jesus is being manifested in your body. I believe that. Now, hear me out on this. This does not mean that we're always going to be smiling. Some of you may be thinking, phew, I'm glad he said that. Because there are days I just don't feel like smiling. Folks, there will be days when you won't feel like hopping and skipping around this earth. This does not mean that we live in denial of the circumstances around us. For there is a place for brokenness and there is a place for weeping even for the true worshiper. Remember what I said earlier. Worship does not deny the existence of life's realities. It persists in spite of it. And you know sometimes I think we as preachers and pastors we, we, we have a tendency of sounding preachy and saying things that that really don't relate. That's something that I try not to do. Sometimes we look like this, don't we? That's life. Sometimes we say things like this. Listen to me. We'll cry out to God and say things, God, why, God, why? God, what are you doing? God, why are you doing this to me? Or how about this one? God, are you even listening? Do you even care? God doesn't even see what we're going through, so what's the use? Been there, haven't you? I have too. There are some who may think that asking such questions to God is almost blasphemous, but I see otherwise. You see, I believe God can handle it. I believe God can handle it when we cry out to Him and even question Him. I don't think He's offended because He knows that we're human. He knows that we have human emotions and human feelings. He knows that we are finite and that we cannot see past our noses of what is real and now. He understands that. And even though I believe God can handle our cries and our complaints, now listen to me, there is a right way and a wrong way to go about that. During these times when we're pouring our heart out to God, even questioning God, listen to me, A true worshiper will never question or become critical of who God is. Let me say that again. During those times of crying out to God, you have questions for God. You don't know what's up. A true worshiper will never question or become critical of who God is. Or this on the screen. A true worshiper will never challenge the worth or character of God. Did you know that about 70% of the Psalms that you read are times when the writer, when the psalmist cries out to God, even questions God? These times are called laments. You've probably heard that word lamenting many times when the psalmist laments. But you'll notice, if you'll notice in the scriptures or as you're reading through the Psalms, every time that The writer laments to God. He always ends up praising God and acknowledging who God is and what he is able to do. That's something Stephanie and I have been looking at recently. As we have devotions together, we'll read the psalm. And so many times you hear the psalmist in turmoil and he's questioning God. God, where are you? What's going on, God? But somewhere in that passage, in that chapter, he always comes back to knowing and trusting and believing and praising God. That's the key. That's the key. That's the key to never allowing the fire and the flame of your worship to go out. Always allow yourself to go back to where you need to go. Always. It's almost as if the writer pours out his heart to God, even his doubts and his anger. He gets it out of the system, but in the end he always comes back. I believe that's why David was a man after God's own heart. One of the reasons. If I had time, I would go into that. But I won't. He always comes back to acknowledging that it's his God and his God alone that can save him and give him hope for his blackest and darkest of situations. The psalmist always ends up worshiping God. Let's see what this looks like. Here's an example, Psalm 3, 1 and 2. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who save me. There is no help for him and God. But look at 3 and 4. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. Psalm 13, 1 and 2. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Sounds like one of our prayers, doesn't it? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? That means how long am I going to try and figure this out on my own? Having sorrow in my heart daily, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? But he always comes back. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. It hasn't happened yet. He knows it's going to happen. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. Oh, they're all through the Scriptures, all through the Psalms, all through the Bible. One more. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and am not silent. 3 and 5 says, But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted in you, delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. Get what I'm trying to say. One or two of you, maybe, looking ready for this, the haystack dinner. What's happened? <coughs> the Psalms have been described. Listen to this. The Psalms have been described as praise in the presence and seemingly absence of God. Let me read that again. Psalms have been described as praise in the presence and seemingly absence of God. Oh, church, even when we're at our lowest, there may always be, may there always be an underlying trust in God. And this trust will translate into worship. Maybe there's someone here this morning. You know that, but you're not doing it. Let me end with this last example. Whenever we look at a point in Scripture to... To back up one of our points, may we always first look to the ultimate example, and that's Jesus, right? And yes, Jesus even displayed the heart of a true worshiper, for when Jesus walked this earth, his number one priority was doing the will of his heavenly Father. And this is the essence of what worship is. And dare I say that Jesus in his humanity even lamented. Jesus in his humanity even had times when he cried out to God in the flesh. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Ephesians 26, 39. Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. See, that was Jesus lamenting. That was Jesus in the flesh crying out, I don't understand this. I don't want to go through this. We've said that before, haven't we? I don't want to go through this, surgery. I, know, I, know, this, this, I don't like this. I don't want to go through this. I hope I can say this, honey. And uh, um, with Mert, it got to the point to where I think if you would ask her right now, would you go through it again, she'd probably say no. Because it's been quite the journey. But her lungs were filling up with fluid to the point that give her a couple more weeks and she would have been gone. And I remember in the hospital looking at her before she had surgery, and the look on her face was like, I don't want to go through this. But she knew she had to. We had no choice. But in essence, we at that time, and some of you can say what Jesus is in to say, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And Jesus lamented one more time, church. not advancing. We'll just leave it at that. We know that Jesus on the cross looked up to His Heavenly Father and He said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, why hast thou forsaken me? Oh my, have we have said that in our life. Why hast thou forsaken me? God, where are you? God, I can't see you. But do you know that Jesus, even though He lamented there for a bit in the flesh, do you know that He ended His life worshiping he said into thy hands i commit my spirit that basically was jesus saying god i'm going to trust you where are you at today church how's your worship how was your worship that's worship even in our darkest hour It is possible to live in a state where the fire of our worship never goes out. We can cry out to God in our confusion and our doubts, even in our times of anger and pain. But when we're done lamenting, then we always come back to who God is and trusting and believing what He can do. Is there someone here this morning you've been crying out to God and There's a song. I'm not, I'm not going to sing it. I might do another song here. But someone in here is waiting on something. Someone in here is waiting. And waiting can be one of the most difficult things in life. Amen. When you're in a difficult time, waiting is horrible. But there's a song out there that says, I'm waiting, I'm waiting on you, Lord. And I am hopeful, I am waiting on you, Lord. Though it is painful but patiently I will wait. I will move ahead bold and confident, taking every step in obedience. And here's the chorus. While I'm waiting, I will serve you. While I'm waiting, I will worship. While I'm waiting, I will not faint. I'll be running the race even while I wait. Where are you at? Hmm. I tell you, there are there are times of turmoil that I've had in my life, and the last thing that I've wanted to do is to stop and pray and take it to the Lord. Why? Because that means I have to give it up. I sometimes want to hold it because I think I know what to do with it. I can fix this. I, I want to stay mad. I want to stay bitter. I want whatever it might be. I, I want to I want to keep it. But see, when you pray, you give it to God. At least that's what you need to do. You need to give it to God. Leave him to take care of the details. Um, I'll go ahead and throw this out here. I, I, I once preached a message on the worry box. We all need to have a worry box in our life. What does that mean? You need to have a box in your life with a lid on it. And every time you begin to worry about something, you put it on a piece of paper, you date it, you fold it, you put it in God's worry box, and when you shut the lid, you leave it there. You walk away. You allow Him to worry about it. You allow God to take your anxieties and you leave it to Him. You begin to trust Him. And it's amazing when you do that in your mind how you are liberated and how you are freed. And what's interesting, I've done that many times. Go back in a couple months and check that box. And what you'll find is one of two things. You'll find that it's either something that God has already taken care of for you, or His grace is helping you deal with it until He does take care of it. Maybe there's someone here this morning that you need to put something in God's worry box. While you do this, you need to praise Him. You need to thank Him because you believe that He's going to deliver you. You believe that He's going to take care of you. You believe He's going to see you through whatever it is that you're going through. And that flame of worship will continue. It will carry you on. Hmm. Would you bow your heads, please? Father God, I I don't know how this has hit us this morning, Lord. But you do. You you know what's going on, Father, in our hearts and our lives this morning. God, uh, it's, it's possible that the flame and the fire of worship never dies, even in times of difficulty, because we can continue to look to you. We can continue to believe. We can continue to trust. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that is not trusting, they're trying to carry this, they're trying to go through a trial or difficulty on their own, I'd help them to give it up to you. Mm. Yes, God. Lord, I don't know how this message has hit us, but it's from your word, and I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you keep your heads bowed, please, just for a second?